For our message today, we're going to begin to prepare our hearts for Easter. We start thinking about that time period. And we have done a series uh, in the past. Uh, last week we talked about what is revival. And we have done a series before that that had to do with guidance. And in those, in those uh, messages, when we talked about uh, those things, we, we moved around by and looked at different scriptures. And today we're going to stay in one passage of scripture, and it's in the book of Romans, chapter 5. The book of Romans, chapter 5. Sometimes when we preach the messages, we, we talk about things in general concepts, and we don't go into some of the deeper things. But it's helpful for us to go into the deeper things to expand our understanding of Scripture. And also it helps us uh, to challenge, you know, as a, as a pastor to a congregation, I have some that are new in Christ and some that are more mature in Christ. And so, and so it's good to challenge both. Challenge both and to reassure us of where we're at. So we're going to go a little bit deeper in things today as we talk about... Um, the need for Christ to come. So we're going to look again as uh, into uh, chapter 5 and lay this foundation. And I want to begin with reading um, Romans chapter 5, and we're just going to go through verses 1 through 11 first, and we're going to, to uh, break those down, and then we'll do the next section together. So Romans chapter 5, verse 1, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only that, but we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance, and perseverance, character, and character, hope. Now hope does not disappoint, because the love of God has been poured out the love of God has been poured out um, in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who, has get, who was given to us. Verse 6. For when we were still without air, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps for a good man someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrated his own love towards us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more then, having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if, when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his Son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only that, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received the reconciliation. There's lots of words in there. There's lots of... Uh, instruction in there. There's lots of things that would uh, maybe cause some confusion. So we want to break some, some of that down. Uh, we won't cover all the concepts that are there, but we'll get to the ones that we want to talk about. So as we look at this, we, we um, seem to be getting a lot of feedback where I'm standing. I don't know if you're getting it or not. But the, uh, we work at verse 8. Let's look at verse 8 in uh, Romans chapter 5. But God demonstrates his own love towards us, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. 
while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He died for us out of love, not out of something that we have done, but more so, um, not out of something that we have done, but more so out of something that uh, he wanted to do for us, out of his love. We didn't, we didn't earn his love. We didn't say, he didn't say, okay, I will die for you if you do these things. I will, die to you, I will die for you if you do these things first. It was, he's going to die for us for, out of his love for us. And so, we have to recognize that part. There was a need that he had, that we had. And so, when we are, he died for us so that we can be reconciled to God and then reconciled to God that also saves us from wrath. So the things that we're going, the concept we're touching on, the fact is sin entered when Adam and Eve sinned, when Adam sinned. It was the fall. And when the fall took place, sin entered, and what else entered at the same time? Death. Death entered. And so, as sin entered, it caused corruption to be able to take place. It poisoned the well, so to speak. If you would take poison of some type and put it in water, the water now has a problem. You have to do something with it. Sin entered the world and mankind now inherits, is born in sin. We have that sin nature. Even babies are born in sin. Now they're innocent of sins because they have no knowledge, but yet they are born in sin, and the consequence of sin is what? Death. So though they are innocent, they are still susceptible to the penalty that Adam brought to us, which is death. And so there needs to be a remedy for that. But the other remedy that needs to be the remedy for is for sins that we commit. And as we are born in sin, we have out of, a, a, out of that depravity, that situation, we commit sins. You can think early on that after the fall, after Adam and Eve sinned, they had children, Cain and Abel, and... As you might recall, Cain killed his brother Abel. Sin. And so that's kind of what we're talking about today, and we're going to look at some of these nuances as we continue through these scriptures. So while we're not only reconciled to God through Jesus coming and dying on the cross for our sins, we can be saved from wrath, is the other part of that scripture that talks about, and that is we will be saved from Wrath, safe from hell, to be able to go to heaven. We will pass through death unless we are here when Jesus comes again. All right, now let's work now at verses 12 through 15. And we'll start breaking this down. We're going a little smaller chunk here. And we will talk about what we've just talked about and highlight. In Romans chapter 5, verse 12, Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world, Adam, and death through sin... 
And thus death spread to all men because all sinned. For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those who had not sinned according to the likeness of the trespass of Adam, Adam, who is a type of him who was to come. But the free gift is not like the offense, for if by the one man's offense many died, much more the grace of God and the gift by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, abounded to many. Let's break that apart. Just as through one man, Adam, sin entered the world, and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men, and because all sinned. But verse 13, For until the law sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed when there is no law. That word imputed there is it's not accounted to. That's what we talked about. And the baby is not accountable for that sin. It's not imputed where there's no law. Verse 14, Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those who had not sinned according to the likeness of the transgression of Adam, who is a type of him who was to come. All right, well, that's a lot to unpack. So let's look at the pieces. Sin corrupted the earth. Sin came in, death by sin. Now if we look to James, and we have talked about before, the definition of sin is, James and James it talks about, to him that knoweth to do good and doeth that not, to him it is sin. What did Adam do? I want you to think about this. Adam disobeyed. Now what did they feel shame for? They were naked. But they didn't feel shame for their nakedness until after the sin entered, and then they were aware of their guilt. But Adam disobeyed. Having knowledge of what he's supposed to do, he disobeyed. It's not just that he did something that he should have shame for, it's that he disobeyed. Him to know the good and do it the not to him as sin. Now, keep that in your mind. Look at verse 13. For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed when there is no law. There was no law, there was no knowledge of the good and the bad. And so because there were not, no law, knowledge of the good and the bad, it was not imputed. It was not count, held against their account. It was not applied because they didn't know any better, just like the innocent child. But yet sin reigned because of death. It means that sin condition. The sin condition reigned because we still die. It was introduced by Adam. But once the law came, it let them know that they were sinning. And so they were accountable because to go against what they know to do good would be 
disobedience. And so what the scripture is saying here is Adam knew and disobeyed. But then it says, verse 15, Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam Moses, even over those who had not sinned according to the likeness of the transgression of Adam. Because they weren't disobeying, sin reigned over people that weren't disobeying because they didn't have the law, but the sin reigning was causing the death because Adam had introduced it in his disobedience. So we have sin that is a condition. Sin that is a depraved heart that Adam lost his innocence. And now we are born in sin. A child naturally child naturally anymore says what it's mine they also you don't have to train them how to lie when they're young you have to teach them that, that it's wrong but we're born in that depravity that sin we call that the sin nature that carnality so to speak that depravity But then the law came along and it magnified, shed a light on, you're doing things that are not pleasing in God's sight. At that point, if you don't obey, you're in disobedience because you know better. And so at that point, now it is imputed, it is held against your account because you know better. And it brings awareness of your separation from God and by that making that you're aware of that separation of God you're now accountable for that but it tells you that you need the Savior it tells you that you need God because Jesus in his shedding of his blood has the answer both for the sin to save us from future wrath but also to reconcile us to God in the Old Testament they gave sacrifices to cover up for their sins but it was not satisfactory to the point of what Jesus their death and resurrection was but they looked forward to the promise of Jesus death and resurrection to be applied to them so verse 15 but the free gift is not like the offense. For if by the one man's offense many died, much more the grace of God and the gift by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, abounded to many. So one action caused death. The disobedience. But different than that is the obedient act of Christ that caused the free gift. By the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, abounded to many, making his one act made the gift available to everyone. By his grace. What does that by his grace means? Grace is where is extended favor, unmerited favor. Mercy is when someone does something wrong and you're like, You withhold the punishment. So that's why it can be a little bit confusing that 
If we have done something wrong, God's grace is extended to us that we didn't merit so we can have forgiveness of our sins. And when forgiveness is of our sins, that's an act of mercy so that we don't get the punishment we deserve. So you can see how his grace is here and mercy is here and they kind of overlap. But God extended his grace in that while we were yet sinners, he died for us. Meaning, we didn't earn it, we didn't deserve his grace, his unmerited favor. He extended to us his grace, his love before we did anything. That's grace, unmerited. He extended his grace to us through his act of obedience on the cross. So now we want to look a little bit closer. And so in 15 and 16, I think we read through 15. I probably will need to read in a moment, we'll cover 16, um, cover these other pieces of the passage. So in, let's read verse uh, 16 now. And the gift is not like that which came through the one who sinned, for the judgment which came from one offense resulted in condemnation, but the free gift which came from many offenses resulted in justification. So we start seeing where Paul is telling them these lines up where Adam did this, caused this, Christ comes and causes that. So by one offense, many are corrupted. The free gift from many offenses, many sins, now the people are aware of, it brought the light that they need to have it, we now have the free gift for all. So many are affected negatively by the one man's offense versus the free gift. The one offense resulted in condemnation. The free gift results in justification. Justification, just as if I'd never. It brings the account whole. It's the forgiveness of the debt. Sometimes when we read a scripture, it talks about an accounting and it's kind of like a ledger of all the negative that I've done against God. And then Christ's blood's applied and it's a satisfies that ledger, satisfies the account. Remember the old song, the old account is settled? How happy it is when you find out somebody's paid off your bills or you think about when you paid off your bills or maybe you the mortgage burning or your student loans, you finally paid them off. Whatever it is, we have a debt. We're a debtor in sin and Christ's blood corrects that debt. So that's that correction. It's added to our account. Now let's look at 17 and 18. And we'll see a parallelism again, or a contrast again. Paul's trying to bring this out to get them to understand. For if by the one man's offense death reigned through the one, much more those who receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through one Jesus Christ. 
So in this one, he's drawing out that through one death reigned, but now much more, if you receive the grace that God extended through his gift, you receive that gift of righteousness that you will be able to reign in life through one Christ and Jesus Christ. And so we move from a death view to a live view. We have that reconciling with God in our lifetime. Saving us from wrath in the future, but in our lifetime, this reconciliation, a reconciled, being reconciled, that means we get along, that means we are reconciled. We can have a relationship. So now Jesus' blood allows for us to have that relationship, that reconciled back to God and to save us from wrath. Because we were in a separation, we need to reconcile. To reconcile, how do we get reconciled from being a sinful, disobedient to a place of reconciliation is through the blood of Jesus. And then he repeats it in verse 18, Therefore, as the, through one man's offense, judgment came. So now he says, through one man, judgment came, resulting in condemnation. Even though through one's, one man's righteous act, the free gift came to all, resulting in justification of life. So now we're not always talking about in this reconciliation, we're talking about justification of life. Condemnation, justifying. Condemned, justified never. Separation, not reconciled, not relationship with God, reconciliation. So we got the relationship part. We also have the sin accounting part where I'm condemned versus I am justified. Justified never. So then there's, that's the accounting side. And if we keep going, we, let us read verses 19 uh, through 21. For by, as by once... Man's disobedience, many were made sinners, so also by one man's obedience, many will be made righteous. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace abounded much more, so that sin, as sin reigned in death, even so grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Verse 19, for as by one man's disobedience, many were made Sinners, so by one man's obedience, many will be made righteous. Again, he's doing another contrast because there's Jesus' blood contrasts and resolves on various layers, reconciling our relationship, our accounting of sin and our condemnation, the judgment. Many made sinners, so by many, man's obedience will be made righteous. So it's not just that our sin is accounted for, but many will also be made righteous. So it's not just that you can, through the blood of Jesus, that you move from sins that need accounted for, and so move you to neutral ground, 
you move into the positive ground where you're actually righteous. It's available. So just think about that with me again. Not only need to be reconciled to God, not only do you need to deal with the condemnation and get that justified, so we're not only moving our account from negative to zero, we're moving to righteousness on the positive. So just unpack that a little bit. Sometimes we're like, I'm not, it's not, I'm no longer accountable, you know, I've got forgiveness of my sins, boom. It's not just that you get forgiveness of your sins to save you from wrath, you also get forgiveness of your sins to move you towards heaven. You're not going to neutral. We don't want to go to neutral. We don't want to be in this lukewarm state. We want to move from Well, Jesus can make us righteous so that we can tighten our reconciliation so that we're doing good. It's not only that we're not doing wrong, but we are doing good. We're acting righteous. We're acting holy. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace abounded much more. In other words, it's not just that the law made it for sin to abound, making us aware of our need of God, our need of reconciliation, the, the opportunity for righteousness, but grace much more abounded. So it's not this that the sin is here and the grace is here, and the grace is, e- is able to... Oppose it. It's not like watching some cartoon and they're, they're, they're shooting their power one towards the other and you can visualize whatever, whatever Marvel comic or whatever you got in your mind and, and one's got the positive power and one's the negative power and they're coming in here and they're right here in the, in, in the middle, the negative and the positive, the enemy and the, the, good, the good guy or woman or whatever. It's not this. Grace much more abounds. Grace much more abounds, overcomes. It is more than capable. The grace of God is so great, His love so well, that He not only wanted to take care of the condemnation and save from wrath, He also wanted to have a reconciliation. He also wanted to have, to move you to righteousness. And he extended his grace so much bigger than the, this, that it much more abounds. It's not an equal fight. Grace overcomes. So then, as sin reigns, reigneth, reigned in death, even so grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. We move from a state of the sting of death. Which came about because Adam sinned. 
to Jesus providing the answer. God extending His grace. Even though we didn't deserve it, unmerited favor, even though we didn't deserve it, and while we were yet sinners, we haven't even approached it, He died for us to take care of that account. But He wants us to move us from being at zero to into the positive. But it's through Jesus Christ our Lord. Jesus Christ our Lord. We read through those words very quickly. Jesus Christ our Lord. When we say Jesus Christ our Lord, Jesus is His earthly name. He came as a man. He humbled Himself down. Jesus is His earthly name. Christ means the Anointed One. Christ is the Greek for Christos, for the Messiah. The promised Messiah that they looked through through the Old Testament. In the New Testament, they're looking back and the, the promise of the Messiah from the Old Testament. And they're all looking for the Messiah to come take care of their, their problems. So it says, this Messiah, this is the promised one. This is the one you've been waiting on. This is the promise of God from the prophets of old. This is the one that you need. This is the Christ. This Jesus who you crucified he is the Christ. So it takes that man that they saw die. And he's telling them in Rome, he's dead, he's rose again. This Jesus, this individual, is the Christ that they promised. This is his title. And being the Christ, the anointed one, he's the Son of God. So we recognize Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus is the Messiah. That's great. The devils, the demons, they know. They know. Remember in the Old Testament, they're like, they knew who Jesus was. They might be in fearful trouble. Just knowing that God exists is there. No. It's through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. We're not talking about just believing that He exists. That means believing in. You believe in something you trust in, but through Jesus Christ our Lord, He is your King. So He's made this available. He's come as a man, Jesus, but He is the Anointed One, the Christ, the promised Messiah. That's all there. So that as sin reigned in death, even so grace might reign through righteousness, through eternal life, through Jesus Christ, our Lord. As our Lord, we have access to not only move from condemnation, but to have justification, but to move to righteousness. It's accessible. This is what Easter is about. Christmas is the beginning. But Christmas, we celebrate Jesus' birth, was the reason for it was with an eye towards his resurrection. And so the things that laid out and going through his life was with an eye to the resurrection. 
And the purpose is for what? Justification. Reconciliation. And righteousness. Through that grace that is greater than all our sin. That grace that much more abounded to not only meet each one of these obstacles that he calls out head on. Condemnation, needing for reconciliation, need for righteousness, all those kinds of things, head on. It much more abounds, not for even just one of them, but all of them to win. So as we prepare and we start thinking towards Easter and those things, this is some of the depth and some of the reasons of some of the things that we might cover as the Lord would lead us that we're talking about. So as you contemplate these things, as you think about these things, may the Lord start to reveal His wisdom even beyond beyond what we've said. And the Lord would bring the Scriptures alive to you that at your place in your walk that He would teach you that next piece. We are different places in our walks. or We're different places in our maturity. Different places in our understanding. But we need to be you need to be not where I am, and I don't need to be where you are. But you need to be where God wants you in your understanding. Draw nigh unto God, and He will deny unto you. He will help you to understand what you need to understand at this point. And for each of us, I might be expected to dig deeper. Or maybe you're expected to dig deeper than I am. I don't know. It's individual. But the truth is universal. And Lord, help us to understand. Let's be standing together. Let me say a prayer, and then I'll ask the congregation to remain standing. Father God, I pray that you'd help us in our understanding today. These are some complicated pieces. And sometimes it's difficult to understand. But may the simple truth be evident. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. That we come before You and that the resurrection made it possible for us to get right with You. Made it possible for us to live a righteous life through you. Made it possible to have eternal life with you. Help us. Just reminded of those simple facts. And help us to walk in a way worthy, the best we can, under your grace. And you would help us to be obedient to you. In Jesus' name, amen.